everyone, and welcome to episode 626 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I'm doing good, Todd. I'm in a good mood, uh, contrary to your belief that apparently I'm in a bad mood sometimes. Oh, no, not you. I'm sorry. Uh, I, always bring it for, I always bring it for the show. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, when the mics are hot, except for that one time recently. You know, I'm a complete professional. You are. There's nobody more professional. As a matter of fact, I'm on board for certain hashtags, Joe. So, uh, yeah, that was that was never going to happen. Everybody, everybody was being cute and funny about that, but yeah, there was there, there was more of a chance of Todd coming to uh, the wrestling last week or Mantis coming to the wrestling next month that there was of me getting a chance to do anything over the guardrail. But they, oh, I would have loved to seen you do a mic run in. Uh huh. Mm hmm. So, would you like to know what we have on the show today, Joe? Yeah, we have a busy show today. I'm sure yep, it'll be should, short and everything, right? Yes, you beat me to it, Joe. In news, a movie that's getting a comic adaptation that will leave you shivering with Antis. Patient, Joe. Also, uh, all the moving and shakings at different companies. A digital comic getting a physical print. Um, an original image creator hopes to have some movie news soon, maybe later. Who knows? And uh, Joe, wait a minute. I'm I'm getting an update in my earpiece. Um, we're we're going to be getting a surprise of the Rob Watch. Oh boy. Um, also conventions. What we read last week, which was Human Target number seven, and I Hate This Place number five. What we're looking forward to this week, Todd and Joe have issues, the battle for second place, a.k.a. Todd and Joe go rogue. I believe we have one spectacular Todd's art attack today. And finally, spoiler-filled talk about She-Hulk and Andor, but no Stargirl, Joe. Yeah, dopes that we are. We missed the uh, announcement that there was no Stargirl uh, this week. Right. So Yeah. Uh, so, again, while it is a busy show, um, and we do have a bunch of news, there's not a ton of ton of news. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things, uh, one of the announcements was, uh, I guess Dark Horse, as we've talked about them pretty much every episode for the last, like, month and a half, um, they apparently now have the license to do Rocky Horror Picture Show comics. Mm-hmm. And they are expected to do a announcement at New York Comic Con, uh, whether it be new stuff, whether it be a reprint um, of the old caliber book from the ni- from like 1990, uh, whatever it is, long, well out of print. Uh, they are coming up on the 50th anniversary of the original stage production. Wow. Which is crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is one of those properties that it's one of the things that my wife and I bonded over when we first met. I was a fan of this movie, um, you know, when it came out on video in 1990. You know, if you listen to episodes of Previewing the Past as they were doing the whatever anniversary it was in 1990 with the comic book and with some merchandise but it was also like a priced through VHS release uh, of a movie that was a midnight, like uh, one of the midnight classic movies that, you know, was still showing around our area up until it came out on VHS in 1990, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, as a 13 year old kid seeing this movie for the first time, you know, at home, um, it didn't resonate 
the same way that it would were folks seeing it in the theater with the whole experience, which I wouldn't get a chance to do until several years later. But yeah, this is a movie that, you know, is more or less untouchable to me. I'm not going to argue the quality of this film with you because there is no argument to be had. <laughs> um, I, I had Todd watch it for the Never Seen Movies project uh, last year, and he didn't hate it. And that was the most I was asking for. What, do you think I'm contrarian, Joe? No, I liked it. I right, actually that thing. So I, I undersold it saying that you didn't hate it so that I could get you to admit that you actually liked it. I said it was well done. I mean, yes. was well directed, uh, well acted. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I, I don't. I kind of remember saying all that during the show, and it was was interesting. Like I said, there was a lot of cool cool moments in that, and I think it's cool. I actually wish at some point I saw it in the theater to get the experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't know if that'll ever happen again. So, well, you know, obviously, uh, with the last couple of years, uh, maybe about a year or so ago, they did it at the drive-in, but it's not the same. Right? No, it's not. No, you got to see it in the theater. Um, if and when it, and that's the thing, it usually tours around um, in October, but I haven't seen anything come up in any of the groups or anything that I'm in yet. But it's early in October, you know? And right. these are one of those things where, like, on a Friday, they'll announce that the following Friday it's, like, going to be somewhere. Right. And if I go, am I legally obligated to dress up like Meatloaf? No, no, you're not. You'd have to dress up at the very least like Dr. Loomis from the Rob Zombie remake of Halloween. Oh, okay. If you know, you know. <laughs> I saw the remake of Halloween and I enjoyed it, but I don't know what you're talking I don't remember it. Um, <laughs> Dr. Loomis in the Rob Zombie version was played by Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, I'm mopping what you're spilling. Sometimes you got to pull that rope a little bit harder to drag him along. It's been a while, though, Joe. It certainly has, like 40 minutes. No, I don't remember who played Loomis in the movie. I can't remember. All right, I thought you meant the, the no, line that's from earlier. I was like, I don't remember who played Loomis in that movie. I saw it, I don't know how long ago. Uh, but anyway, any sort of new Rocky Horror Picture Show stuff. I have the single issues of this. I have the trade when they did the trade of this. Um, you know, within the last like 20 years, but if they do a new printing of this, if they new, do new material, I'll be all over it. Right. Uh, so there have been some editorial shakeups at some of the independent publishers, uh, over the last couple of days, a lot of folks kind of just moving around, um, you know, as we head toward New York, it's just interesting to see these sort of things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we have Brianna Sarpy, who was over at Boom, is now moving over to Skybound. Uh, we have Mike Martz, uh, who is leaving Marvel to go to Mad Cave Studios. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have, um, okay, so I'm sorry, Mike, Mike Martz was leaving Aftershock. My apologies to go to Mad Cave. Uh, Brian Cunningham, who was at DC, was at Dynamite, and is now uh, going over to take uh, uh, Mike Mort's spot at Aftershock. 
and Chris Ryal, who was previously at something called Movie Poop Shoot, which I think was like Kevin Smith's movie thing. I remember the, I remember the name, at least. Yeah, he's now also going over to Aftershock. So it's interesting to see like one guy leaving Aftershock and then bringing in two names to replace him. Um, but it's interesting just to see like some of this moving and shaking that's happening right before New York Comic Con comes out, you know? Yeah, I'm wondering if they'll be at New York, you know, to 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 be at these at the booths or whatever. But I highly doubt it. Well, I what I I, I look at this is, um, you know, a lot of folks are looking at what they're going to be announcing for 2023 at New that, York. Yeah, that is true. So they want to maybe have those new players in place. So that when they make those announcements, the people that are going to be working on them come 2023. Like, you don't want to have the guy that's leaving next week be the one that's rolling out your 2023 plans. And then after the weekend's over, it's like, all right, I'm going, I'm leaving, you know? Yeah, I mean, though he could have just read the mission statement, you know what I mean? Be the sure, trooper, sure. But yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just interesting to see some folks, uh, some recognizable names in the comic book industry moving and shaking through the industry, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of moving and shaking, uh, it was announced today that the latest Scott Snyder, uh, Francisco Francavilla book, Night of the Ghoul is already being optioned to be a movie, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And this is one of those books where... I saw it in the solicitations. It's coming out through Dark Horse. And I saw that it was a three-issue miniseries. So I'm like, oh, okay, no big deal. It's a three-issue miniseries. I'll go ahead and uh, I'll just uh, get the trade when the trade comes out, right? Right. Not realizing that this is a book uh, that had been previously published through Comixology Originals. Not being a digital comics guy, you know, I don't think either one of us were even aware that this book existed. No, I still barely know it exists, and we're talking about it right now. Right. And and this is one of those things where I don't need to know what the premise of this is. This is the creative team many years removed from that Detective Comics run, The Black Mirror, that's so good, that kind of, like, launched Scott Snyder's career, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And them getting back together, doing a horror book, I'm like, sign me up. But it's only three issues, sign me up for the trade. But I think if I was more in tune with the world of digital comics, I probably would have been getting this digitally, only because now that it's being optioned for a film, it's a book that comes out issue one in print this week, and already the gouging has begun. Right, and that's one of those books that I'd feel bad like going into the shop and being like, hey, do you have any of that, you know, yeah. book? And then, you know, just get, the, you know, you don't want to be like, oh, because it's hot. Like, oh, no, because I like Scott Snyder and Frank Avia, but not knowing, I didn't even know, like, the movie until all of this. So I, I get you. It's that, it's part of the, the like, why, you know, I, we, I do, I do my lists closely now. So I don't have, so fear of missing out. You don't want to have to miss a hot book that I would have got for what it was, but that's uh, comics have changed and I don't like it, Joe. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an old man and I miss just, you know, be, be, BS before speculation. Joe. There you go. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. I'm glad that I had this earmarked for the trade. Um, and this is one of those things where very strangely, like unless you're signed up for 
the unlimited unlimited service, it's like pretty expensive even digitally. It's like twenty bucks Ooh. to get the three issues, you know? Right. And I whereas and- in print it's only five dollars an issue, but then like obviously you're paying secondary prices because it's being made into a movie. Um, right. whether or not it actually gets made into a movie is gonna be another story. That is true, because you never know. Sometimes movies take a while to get made, Joe. Speaking of movies taking a while to get made, Todd. <laughs> Um, and speaking of speculation, uh, so over the weekend, uh, Todd McFarlane took to social media and told everyone uh, that, quote, huge Spawn movie news breaking Monday. Mm-hmm. So Monday comes and goes and there's no news. Right. Uh, so then Tuesday, he puts out a tweet that says, sorry for the delay. Spawn movie news delayed until tomorrow. Sure. What's one more day? Joe? What's one more day? Again, one more day. We've been waiting 25 years for news about a new Spawn movie. We've been waiting 30 plus years for news of a good Spawn movie. <laughs> wow. I don't know if this will be the one, but what I do know is this is the time to go and send out for speculation uh, your six first appearances of Spawn. Mm hmm. Todd, can you name all six first appearances of Spawn? Okay. Um, now, do I have to get numbers exactly right? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a pass. Okay, because I definitely wouldn't know what the previews number was, but it's March of 1992. Right, that's one. Okay, Malibu Sun, 14? 13, but that's Thir- two. Okay. Um, was it Red Rocket something? Rocket Ranger number four. That's number three. Okay. Um, I know the last one and the one that's not the first number is Spawn number one. Okay. And then um, Todd McFarlane's sketchbook for when he was a kid. No. Okay. So, uh, of course, you know, Malibu Sun number 13, Rocket Ranger number four, Mar- the March 92 previews, uh, Rust number one from Adventure Comics. <laughs> okay. Was solic- If you remember when we did the previewing of the Passport, in the solicitation, it says uh, first appearance of Spawn in the 1992 solicitations. Oh, okay. Now, Todd, you mentioned Spawn number one, but there's the direct market and the newsstand edition. Ooh, newsstand's worth more. Newsstand's- Allegedly, newsstand's worth more. So I count that as two different number ones, right? Well, let me ask you a question. <laughs> Does that make two previews because we have the limited edition variant cover? Ah, uh, you know what? So let's bump, let's bump it up to seven. All right. Okay. Well, that would be eight then, wouldn't it? No, because you got the two spawn number ones. Okay, that's you got the two March ninety two previews. So that's four. You got Malibu Sun number thirteen. Mm-hmm. Rocket Ranger number four. Right. And Rust number one. Right. So that's eight. That's what I said. That's seven. Oh, okay. I'm counting two, eight. I, two spawn know. number ones, two previews, Malibu Sun, Rocket Ranger, Rust. Oh, okay. Yes, you're right. You're right. I was going to say, I'm looking at my, I'm doing my gazintas on my fingers here. What are you doing to me? I'm, I'm doing, I'm multitasking right now. And also I'm thinking about the way you started all this when you said Todd McFarlane took to social, took to social media. And I was thinking, did he take to social media and then call the doctor in the morning? That was in my brain and I couldn't get it out, Joe. Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. 
the Rob Trolls for Thee. And now, the Rob Watch. Uh, hey, uh, late-breaking news in regards to the Rob, and anytime the Rob is involved, it's always late and breaking, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, the Rob took to his Facebook page. And at first, uh, I just want to read this post to you, okay? Right. I'm going in knowing nothing right now. Todd knows nothing, okay? He did, like, on every subject on this show, but go ahead. Okay. It says, hey, all, as you know, I record the podcast, and I don't ever upload them. This latest hiccup is the worst of the bunch, and ironically, it was handed in around five hours earlier than any of my previous. I'll probably be going on a hiatus a bit. Uh-oh. Now, again, eh, the spotty use of the English language there notwithstanding, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, what I take it is is that Rob records the podcast and then sends it off to someone else to do all the heavy lifting, Okay. Right, just like this podcast with you, but go ahead. And he mentions the latest hiccup is the worst of the bunch, um, and that in some very strong Alex Jones energy at the end, <laughs> he says that he's going to be going on a hiatus. Not sure if he's going to take a month or five years off, right? Right. So then uh, the comments come out, okay? Uh, so there's a guy in there uh, who just mentions a, a thing... Uh, relating what Rob is going through to a personal story that he had with his longtime friend, Neil Adams, right? Mm -hmm. So the Rob replies, uh, I appreciate the sentiment. I never lack for confidence. I just have to be careful how I respond when attacked. Now, this guy wasn't attacking him. Sometimes the response to an attack is more scrutinized than the first strike. Thank you for the kind words. Okay. So then the Rob posts, everyone, I work really hard to deliver the podcast. The fact that it can be so casually mishandled is startling to me. I have to find a new partner that I can trust rather than someone who I'm never certain whether spelled wrong, the podcast will be loaded or not. Oh, his podcasts are always loaded, Joe. So, Todd, I'm going to let the Todd, I'm going to let the Rob know. That you're open for business? I'll gladly host your podcast. Oh, I don't have, oh, so as I'm trying to go in, it's telling me that I don't have permission to leave comments on the Rob's uh, Facebook page. Sure, because you're probably not like a friend. You're probably just going to see it. You know what I mean? I'm a follower. Let me see. If you're, but he might not have friended you. Yeah. Oh, I don't have. Oh, so I can't. I was going to make my pitch to the Rob to say that we would host the podcast on our site. Oh, that would have been great. <laughs> oh. I was looking. I was looking to get into the lucrative the Rob business. Ooh. <laughs> oh. He's he's never had a business arrangement go poorly. No, no. Just line up those Gene Simmons copyrighted money bags because we're going to be filling them, Joe. Oh, my God. And um, 
I know it's going to say, and all of this happening on the Rob's birthday of all days. Oh, so sad. Can you just see him like alone in a room, just blowing out a candle and then like doing the, the party favor thing? Like just so sad. Cause it, it went wrong today. Uh, I'm sure he'll take the whatnot and sell some stuff and he'll money will make all of this better. Todd. I can't wait. I can't wait. He should be at a certain convention this weekend. So. Right. So I wonder if that will make everything all better or if he's just going to go in to this uh, convention can tanker Joe. Boy, well, that's not the Rob I know. Right. Uh, but yes, so as Todd mentioned, the Rob is going to be at New York Comic Con, which is taking place this weekend uh, from the lovely Javits Center in beautiful downtown New York City. I say drive in. Don't even bother with the train or the bus. <clears throat> We are driving in, but go ahead. Oh, you are dri- Oh, my goodness. Tom's driving. I don't have to. Oh, that's right. That's even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could literally sit here and name dozens and dozens of people that are going to be at this thing, right? Right. It's literally a who's who of comic book folks. I think every single founding member of Image is going to be there, Ooh. except for Robert Kirkman. <laughs> that is true. I was going to ask. Right. Jim Lee is going to be there, but I don't know. I found Image recently. Uh, about those image founders where he wasn't included in there. But anyway. Right, right. Um, Cassandra Peterson is going to be there, apparently out of gimmick. She uh, still looks like she's ageless. She has a painting in her attic, man. <laughs> but that's the thing. So, like, I think she was able to hide behind the Elvira guys for so long. Mm-hmm. But this year, this is like the second or th- third time that she's done a convention appearance, mm-hmm. not as Elvira, but as herself. And uh, again, uh, the plane is still flying high, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. She is the Dick Clark of, you know, uh, gothic female uh, show hosts. Yes. Uh, Oscar Isaac is going to be there. Moon Knight. Yes. uh, Moon Knight. Uh, All of the not in prison members of Smallville are going to be there. (laughs) Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Um, Weird Al is going to be there. I'm sure uh, there to promote his upcoming uh, mockumentary thing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Starring Harry Potter. Right. Uh, uh, And then from the world of sports and entertainment, uh, Britt Baker, Jungle Jack Perry, uh, Mick Foley, Kabuki Crow, a.k.a. Sting. And uh, world-famous toy boys themselves, Hawkins and Broski, are going to be there. Uh, Mr. Hausen isn't going to be there? Daniel Hausen? You know what? Um, I think Dan Hausen's going to be there, but he wasn't, like, he didn't make the cut of people to talk about, Uh, you know? Okay, because I just saw, because I was looking at a, a getting a Mark, getting a Mark photo with him, because uh, I always mistake him for King Diamond, so. Uh, (laughs) I think if you told him that, he would get a kick out of it. Oh, okay. When I run into him. Yeah, say, when you go stand in the Danhausen line, like I'm sure you're gonna. Yep, I'll be like, is this the King Diamond line or what? <laughs> is this the line to meet Danhausen or is this the line to get the tickets to meet Danhausen? <laughs> yep. <laughs> if you know, you know. Right, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get. Uh, I'm gonna maybe get a photo with all the painted up wrestlers that day. Ah, oh, yes. Sting and Danhausen. Right. Does Sting wear the makeup to the shows? Do you know? Oh yeah. Oh good. Because I you gotta get your money's worth, you know? Yep. Uh but like I said, there's tons of comic book people. As uh Todd had mentioned, he's traveling in with friend of the show, uh the man who created the logo for the show, uh Tom Durenick, 
the definitive Colonel Sanders artist for the yes. DC universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so bring him a bucket of chicken and have him sign it, maybe. That's right. Thumb eat, eat that chicken and thumb through his artwork to sell. Yeah, him, definitely. Sell him, you know? He won't mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it's New York Comic Con. If you're going, look for Todd. Yep. Just look for the black T-shirt and the Johnny Cash bag, and nothing else. Right. Nothing else. No other distinguishing <laughs> features on Todd these days. Right. Um, but yeah, so like I said, there's other conventions, little smaller conventions, but like. It's New York Comic Con, man. It's back. Um, I think like the four-day passes sold out relatively quick. I've been inundated with ads of them pushing the Thursday passes. That's all that's left. And they even have like a little percentage counter on their websites. Yeah. So I think it's like 98% Thursday sold. So Right. But like they're really hammering. Like they want this to be like uh like a, 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 a like a no vacancy only sellout for New York Comic Con. And, and it will be tomorrow. People will yeah. show up on Thursday and Blah blah blah. They never not sell out. Sell out. I'm actually shocked they didn't do like that. There's still tickets available. Usually they do. I don't know why. So this may be pandemic stuff. I know there's going to be masks at the show at all. Yeah. So and I'm sure over the course of the four days, you know, what's in the shadow of Madison Square Garden, there'll be well over a hundred thousand people packed into the Javits Center this weekend. Um, I don't think the Javits Center holds a hundred thousand people, Joe. It will this weekend, Tom. <laughs> I'm better than certain podcasters. Oh, you're better than a lot, Todd. Uh, but hey, the links to this will be in the show notes, uh, along with information about the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows in the soon-to-be-named network go up. And hey, I'm going to throw this out here. Uh, I understand that it wasn't just us, but apparently if you get your podcasts through the spotify app mm-hmm. they had problems this weekend that are still go like we're just resolved this past tuesday okay so like friday saturday sunday monday if you were trying to get your favorite podcasts any of the soon to be named network podcasts this show long box heroes after dark final wrestling place we need wrestling at odds with wrestling puzzle warriors three profane arguments wings on wings porch talk no chance in helmet and you were trying to go through the Spotify app, you were probably having problems. Okay. But if you go through soon-to-be-named-network.com, you don't <laughs> got no problems. Everything's right there for you. That's Never right. trust a podcatcher. Always trust the soon-to-be-named-network. Yeah, that's what I say. We're trustworthy folk over here. For sure. Other trustworthy folk include friends of the show's Mike Sterling. Check out his blog, Progressive Rune. Uh, check out Kevin Hellion's uh, Mass Library. He just put up a video, actually, on his uh, YouTube. Uh, Todd, do you? if I was to say Mr. Beast, do you know who Mr. Beast is? He's either the doctor from the X-Men, <laughs> or he's the... The guy who was chasing Bell around in Beauty and the Beast. That's strike three. He's a, he's a YouTube man. Right? Oh, okay, okay. And he recently got into the candy business. Oh, I saw you talking about candy today, so. Yeah, and through a series of tweets, um, the folks that do the candy end of the Mr. Beam, the Mr. Beast empire sent Kevin and his son, like, a case of all the candy. Oh, that sounds delicious. Yeah, and they put up a video, taste testing it, everything else, and he kind of surprised his kid with it. It's a real cool video. Definitely check it out. If you're like a social media aware, like YouTube aware person, then you know who Mr. Beast is, and you kind of realize how big of a deal that was. And like to 
a nine or 10 year old, that's like a huge thing, you know, that's fantastic. Two questions. How do we get on lists? Uh, I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Right. And then the other thing is, does it count that I know Dr. Disrespect? Uh, yes, it does. Okay. That's the only one I know because that name sounds totally real. That's like his Christian name. So my favorite part of Dr. Disrespect's lore is that he lies about winning the blockbuster video video game world championship in like 1994. Who's well, maybe he didn't blockbuster, you know, who's how are they going to dispute it? They're gone. Okay. So it's 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 something that is very easily uh disprovable. There's multiple YouTube videos out there disproving it. Mm-hmm. And then he just steadfast and says all of these facts that you're providing are wrong. I'm the 1994 blockbuster video video game championship. And he presents no facts to back up his claims other than he just keeps saying it. You know what's going to happen next, Joe? Wrestlers are just going to change Wikipedia pages to say they won titles. Oh, that's embarrassing. That would be just craziness. That's embarrassing. Uh, But just back to the plugs. Uh, Rick Williams, The Chop Shop, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, links to all of those creator-owned projects, whether it be comic books, digital, uh, you know, uh, resin, sci-fi, fantasy, glow-in-the-dark stuff. Check all that stuff out. All that stuff's linked up in all the show notes to every single one of these episodes. You can also go check out our comic book shop, Comics on the Green. Their Facebook page is linked up. That's where Dave and the crew put up the most information about upcoming announcements, new books, when the new books are in every week, and so forth. And if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our shop be your shop. Go sign up for their mail order subscription service. Get your books mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. And if you do, there's a chance that you can get a sketch from our good friend Becky on the package of your books. You can go check out her social media, which is also linked up. You can see some of the commissions that she's done, uh, some of the projects, prints, uh, process. All of that is linked up all through her social media. Mm-hmm. Now, let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. Right. And I'm going to start with the book I was looking forward to most, um, which is The Human Target, book seven, written by Tom King, art by Greg Smallwood. Uh, Once again, I have to decide which one is better, and I can't between the writer and the artist. They're both amazing. Um, As we pick up, uh, the human target is looking to find out who killed him as he was impersonating uh, Lex Luthor. So now he's come to question fire from Justice League International, and they end up going out and they go dancing at this jazz club. Um, and I actually looked up the song. The song is real, so I got to listen to that. Um, they end up stopping a robbery, and then they go off. And he's like, "What do you want to do?" He's like, "She's like, I really should go home." She's like, "Yeah, I would really like to get. Uh, do you have a Ferris wheel?" And he ends up doing some human target type stuff, and he gets he gets the use of a Ferris wheel in the middle of the night. And they end up having a discussion, and we end up getting some more backstory, find out, like, a little bit more information about the human target's father, like, why he kind of passed away, he got killed, um, and Fire's telling about her life, about, like, you know, on the streets of uh, being a spy, and, like, what people... People either, you know, wanted to use her or get used by her, which was some great dialogue. And then the human target decides to see if maybe 
Fire was the one, and he puts her to a test, and it's absolutely brilliant, his reasoning to the test. And then the outcome, because she has to use her fire to maybe, you know, in this test, and she ends up having to wear his jacket home, which is, once again, one of the, like, Greg Smallwood at his best doing a full-page spread where I'm like, if if this art was not digital, I would take a line of credit out on my house because I need this page. And then he ends up, we end up finding that not only was Human Target maybe testing her, but maybe Fire was testing Human Target for a reason. And in the end, he's like, okay, you know, if it wa- if it wasn't you, what about the thing that was needed for the poison? And he ends, she ends up telling him some stuff and it's like, well, that's in your next direction. And he's like, Oh, that's a bad direction because things that may have happened in the final <laughs> issue of the first half of the miniseries. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't want to go. I, I could go on and on and on. I got goose. I got goosebumps reading this book every month, just from Greg Smallwood's art alone. But then the noir dialogue from Tom King, like when he's talking about like, I I left the door locked, but gods don't need keys. I'm like, just dialogue like that is fantastic. And I feel like I'm watching an old grizzled detective movie. I don't know if you know this, Joe, but I really like this comic book. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I echo a lot of the sentiments that Todd uh, mentioned. I think Todd has counted his lucky stars that Greg Smallwood's not at New York Comic Con this weekend. Oh, I don't think he does commissions, so. Well, I'm sure he might have some pages laying around if he still does stuff like on pen to paper, you know? Not anymore. This is all digital. Oh, okay. So that's why I'm safe, and I don't need that line of credit on the house. So uh, I would say maybe the strongest thing about this issue is, and I know we did get like the quote unquote fill in issue last month, the tales of the human target, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that counts, but that's more like pre issue one stuff. Right. Um, that this does such a good job of not losing the reader after a six month break. You know what? I don't mean to step on you, but yes, because a lot of the issues one through six are very deep and layered. And it's yes. like, OK, like especially the Martian Manhunter one where we're learning about, you know, uh, reading minds and it stuff is playing over and you have to go back and you have to understand you're seeing three different times all done well. But to come back after after a three month hiatus, it's just here's a very straightforward issue. And yep. that's what the reader needs after that three month break or whatever break it was. Right. I think it was like th- whatever the time was, three months, six months, whatever it was. But it was a break. And the, it's number seven. I don't know. I got to read everything else. Nope. You read this issue and you're caught up mm-hmm. and they don't beat you over the head with the stuff. The The main plot points that you need are given maybe a panel or two, mm-hmm. but you're not lost. We have our three to four principles, right? And um, I think you said it, maybe not giving too, too much away with it. Um, the scene with the Ferris wheel, right? Right. How they get to the Ferris wheel, what happens on the Ferris wheel, says so much about uh, our lead characters, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Every, I mean, it's perfect. It's perfect. It is. It is. I, oh, God, Joe. There's, uh, there's five issues left. I counted on my fingers. I was right. Um, 
I, I just want I just want these five issues. To, I want a, a modern day Justice League International to to get off without a snafu. And seven issues are are filling me with pride and hope. So, but that usually comes before the fall show. So, hopefully not. Hopefully not. But yeah, this is definitely a good book. I- I'll even go as to say I was at the comic book shop this past weekend mm-hmm. uh, or this this past Wednesday getting my books and there was, you know, a dude in the shop and he was looking for stuff and he was making suggestions like he was looking for suggestions. He was asking like no one in particular, like, hey, what's good? And I said, come back next week when Human Target's out, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. But and I even got managed to get my copy of the one in twenty five variant. So oh, the collection good, good. continues, Joe. Yes, the sickness. Yes, down with the sickness. Uh, so the other book that we both read, the one that I was most looking forward to coming out this week, was "I Hate This Place" number five by Kyle Starks and Art Yum Toplin. Uh, so this is the end of the mini series, but this is not the end of the story. Mm-hmm. And. I'll get that out of the way here to say if anything was a little unsatisfying that it wasn't as great as an ending, but knowing that we're going to get more, I'm not that upset. I echo everything that you say there. Yeah. It's like we, we get no real questions answered of the greater overarching story of like, what's going like the, what and the why of the house we get little to nothing on other than the fact that um, the, the 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 guy from the, the bank heist, uh, Itchy Renda yep. or whatever his name is. I call him Itchy, yeah. Okay, so that he gets information as to the what and the why. But because he's in the standoff um, with our main characters... He, we don't get to reveal it, and then, you know, spoilers, maybe, he doesn't get a chance to tell them, right? Right. So, there's information out there, someone has it, we don't get it, okay? Our main characters get out of this particular much smaller predicament. They still have the big overarching predicament of everything that's going on with the house. And then as the issue ends, we're introduced to no less than three new possible um, predicaments that they're going to find themselves in on top of the big one, which is why the house and the land and everything else is haunted. Yes. So it's good that we're going to get more from these characters, which I'm super excited to read more about this and to see where everything goes. I would have loved to seen just a little bit more to get what was going on with the house, you know? Yes, because yes, we're going to get more and I'm 100% fine with that. Um, but not knowing that this wasn't finite, maybe it was made, maybe it was, uh, said somewhere. And, but like, I'm, you're probably like me, if it was, it was like, okay, Kyle Stark's doing a book. I'm not reading any of the solicits. So yes. if he said the first five part story of an ongoing thing in my mind, I thought this was the end of the story, which, you know, is always open to other, you know, tellings like you could do more. But I was kind of like, oh, as I'm like halfway through the book, I'm like, there's no way he's wrapping anything. Up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. In my brain. So maybe the ex- the expectations I had is what did it. But, you know, like I said, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the five issues. And when six comes out, I'm buying six. So, 
Yeah, so in the letters pages, they do say that they're going to do another five-issue miniseries, quote, early next year. So we don't have a date on that. Maybe this weekend at New York we'll get something announced, you know? Right. I don't know if Kyle's going to be there, though. I He's know. not. Okay. But Image might announce something, you know? That is true. Didn't think about that. Yeah. Um, but this is a great book. I like all the pieces that are in place. Um, and I definitely think the onus of this is on us not realizing that this was not going to be a one-and-done, five-issue self-contained thing, that these five issues were going to be the first chapter of something much larger. And I definitely think when Kyle was on the show, he didn't say that that's what was going on. Right, right. Right. Uh, but this is still really good. I think, like I said, just go into this knowing that what you're going to read here is just the first chapter of something much larger. Yeah, possibly Act 1, if you yes, will. Yes, yes. Uh, but it's still really good. The, tr the trade comes out next month. If you were waiting on the trade for some reason, uh, you could still get all the single issues, you know, digitally or in print with whatever printing that's going to be of this. Uh, but it's, it's really highly recommended. It's a, it's a grotesque book in the most beautiful way possible if you're a fan of horror comics um, like I am, if you're a fan of good storytelling you know, adventure, action, etc. This book does have everything. It's just, like I said, you know, be ready for it just to be the first chapter, you know? Yep. So that's um, what we were looking forward to, or that's what we've read this past week. Uh, let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is currently in the lead over me with six correct guesses, and uh, let's see where things are going to go from here. Okay, I'm looking over your list, and is the book you're looking forward to most, Joe, Gotham City Year One, number one? It is uh, Gotham City Year One, number one, and I think that's the book that you're also most looking forward to coming out uh, as well. Yes, especially hot off the heels of a recent Tom King book, Human Target. I'm in the Tom King brain set, so mindset. So yes, I'm looking. Yeah. Forward to that. Uh, so again, it's another Tom King book. It's Gotham City stuff. Um, it's Phil Hester art, who I'm a huge fan of, and I think if I'm not mistaken. Uh, isn't, um, Slam Bradley in this as well, maybe? Yeah, uh, the one true Catwoman love, yeah, Slam Bradley. Yeah, is in yeah. Uh, so it, it's got, like, all the things that would kind of hit those buttons for us. Um, I'm not sure if this is an ongoing or a miniseries, uh, but either way, uh, you know, it's a Batman book, so they're gonna, they're gonna hit you for five bucks on this. What? Not DC, and I think it is only a miniseries, six issues. Oh, okay. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, or the current ongoing slot for Todd and Joe Have Issues, a.k.a. Todd and Joe Go Rogue, a.k.a. The Silver Standard, a.k.a. The Battle for Second Place. Everyone knows that The Flash has the best rogues gallery in all of comics. Todd thinks that Batman is the second best. I think Spider-Man is the second best. We've pit the bottom of the barrel of those uh, 
rogues galleries against each other in a tournament with polls voted on by you, the listeners. And once we're all said and done, there will be one true standing person, either a Batman villain or a Spider-Man villain. And you're only as strong as your weakest link. And that will prove definitively who is the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. Yes. It all works on paper, Joe. This week was a matchup of two Spider-Man villains. Uh, I had my fingers crossed that it was going to be a tie. Uh, sadly, it was not the one who I expected to win did. Uh, I would say Dark Horse candidate, uh, Video Man, moving on to the uh, the Elite Eight. And then this week, just the way that the tournament washed out, it is a Batman versus Batman villain as the Grasshopper takes on the Ten-Eyed Man. Yes, yes. And a little recap, the Grasshopper was a character who said he had super strong legs and he could jump and he had this like goofy grasshopper outfit but in the end it wasn't uh he did not have super powered grasshopper legs uh it was two guys who pretended they would dress and you know in the same costume and one would pretend to jump and the other one would be on like a building across the street be like haha batman my super grasshopper powers look at me and then it was all like that uh you know just misdirection which was absolutely terrible and then there was the ten-eyed man who had damage to his eyes and he had his optic nerves connected to his fingertips which seems logical and he could see through his uh fingertips so he had 10 eyes hence the ten-eyed man uh a terrible costume and you know he his weakness was gloves you know can't give the guy gloves um yeah they're both pretty bad but i'm leaning towards ten-eyed man as worse but uh once again you know the listeners can do whatever they like Right. If you're going to go with me, and I hope that you do, uh, I am going to say that you should go with the Grasshopper. Mm. I have seen the Ten-Eyed Man appear in, like, other media, cartoons and so forth. Right. Where the Grasshopper doesn't get picked up. I think with the right creative team behind him, the right set of circumstances, the Ten-Eyed Man can be made cool. There is no making... um, uh, there is no making the grasshopper cool. Lame as the day is long, and I think he'd be easy picking for another Spider-Man villain. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, look at you. Yeah. Uh, so that's my pick there. Um, speaking of picks, maybe you have or maybe you haven't done your uh, pigskin pickums. I'm done for the year, so I never have to look at them again. Right, right. Um, I see a lot of my so my strategy of picking the people that my friends like have worked for the most part since most of my friends teams are actually doing good when I see like the Eagles are undefeated and this one's undefeated and that one's undefeated. Um, So I'm in 10th place overall, you know, Todd's in seventh place, Um, you know, nipping at your heels, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. (laughs) I'm going to pull ahead, Joe. I just say, when I look at that list, right, I know you said that you may have gotten some bad intel from some people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. When I look at the list and I see you in seventh place uh, tied with somebody else, and I see me tied in, with a couple people for tenth place, and the one person in between seventh and tenth place is the person maybe giving you that intel. 
Right. Well, I don't think I'll be getting that intel anymore since uh, <laughs> certain things are over. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put on my big boy pants and uh, you know and and strike out on my own. So good. I'm glad. Uh, so Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did have one art attack this week, and that was from yours truly, Joe. Um, it was my newest art acquisition, a full-color Captain Carter by Annie the Kitty, a.k.a. Becky from the comic shop. I think Haley Atwell would approve. I just wanted something because I'm a big fan of the uh, Haley Atwell Captain Carter, and I love the shield. So I was like, just give me something that I could see the shield. And, uh, well, you know, she gave me exactly what I ordered. So, you know, and a full-color piece. I was like, eh, I'm going to splurge. I got the cash. You know what I mean? She's going to go spend it on candy and video games or something. I don't know. Yes. uh, She definitely did a really good spot with this. Um, Personally, uh, I like how small her signature is. No, no, just kidding. (laughs) Um, The marker work, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the coloring that she did specifically on the shield, everything is really, um, more evenly blended and you could tell that she was working with just your standard markers, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing fancy, nothing special, right? And I say that in the most, um, complimentary way in that when I see this, it makes me think that I could do this and I can't do this. No, you can't. No. Um, she, and, but like, obviously the face captures it, the color captures it. Uh, Becky does great work and she did a great job with this, of course, as, as well. Right. Yes. Yes. So, and I mean, I think, you know, her heart and soul was in it for the, for the union Jack, if you get my meeting, Joe. Ah, yes, exactly. Yeah. Cause she does. That, right. Cause she does that, hate America. That's right. It's her bread and butter. Yes. You know, she's still sad about the queen. So don't pick on her. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Uh, so, um, hey, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, if you want to help us out, of course, uh, you could get stuff from our store. There's the link right there in between Todd's Art Attack and After Dark. You can get shirts and pins and stickers from uh, with our fancy logo on them direct from me. They're sitting right here in the office. I'll send them out to you. Or if I'm going to see you on October 21st at Sokol's, I could bring them to you, you know? There you go. Save all of us on shipping. Um, if you want more designs inspired by more things from this show, uh, Long Bucks Heroes After Dark, Add Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Hit My Music. Uh, you can head over to our T Public store, but don't do it this week. Do it next week when the 35% sale is going on. Um, something that's never on sale because it's priced to move. That's our Patreon. As little as a dollar a month, you get two bonus shows from Todd and I. One, previewing the past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. Uh, We also have the expertly done, high-quality scans of each of those preview catalogs, so you could peruse through them as well. Uh, We will be releasing October 1992 this weekend to the $5 and up folks. Everybody else will be getting Piro Mounties, which the latest movie that we did was... The latest one was, oh my god, I'm losing my mind. I know, I'm so focused on the next one that we're doing, which is Celluloid Soul. Uh, This was uh, Rage of Innocence, the last one that we did. Yep. That'll be coming out for everybody else on the uh, under $5 tiers this weekend. Uh, $5 and up folks are also going to get Longbox Heroes After Dark uh, two days before everyone else. 
And last but not least, if you want to help us out, you can make any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. It's at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. It's in the show notes to every single way that you get these episodes, no matter where it is that you get these episodes. Does not cost you anything extra. Amazon calls it an advertising fee. I call it a thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include... Somebody purchased the DC Comics Ultimate Character Guide New Edition. Hmm. I'm uh, interested well in that. I, Right. Well, I do thank you for purchasing that. I'm sure there is very little uh, Jose Garcia Luis... Uh, Ho- Jose Luis Garcia Lopez art in that book. Yeah. If that was the original one, I'd be all over that one. Yep. Uh, somebody also purchased the Dark Tower 4, uh, Wolves of the Kala on Kindle. Mm. Isn't that five? Uh, five. What did I say? Four. Four. Five. It's five. I'm just asking. Uh, somebody also purchased more moving boxes, more corrugated boxes, more perforated bubble cushioning wrap. Uh, it looks as though that Funko Pop is, is still happening, at least in one part of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody also purchased Bayonetta 2 for the Nintendo Switch, which comes with a digital download of Bayonetta 1. Uh, those games are too confusing for an old man like me, but I hear they're really good. Okay. Uh, somebody also purchased the Orezi Pronto Digital Multifunctional Kitchen and Food Scale in Lime Green. Ooh, I read that as Digital Malfunctioning Kitchen and Food Scale, <laughs> but I don't think that's the one you'd order. So, Well, listen, it says what it does right in the title. You know, you, you can't go. return it because it's broken. It's doing exactly what we told you it was going to do. Right. You, we said right in the, the title it's a broken scale. So Right. Which is like how I like my bathroom scale. So, <laughs> uh, and then last but not least, somebody purchased uh, or at least pre-ordered uh, Clerks Three on Blu-ray. Wow, I was going to say because I was like, wasn't that just in the theaters? But uh, pre-ordered, probably like you said. And to whoever hooked up their comicsology to our Amazon, I thank you once again because we had a fruitful bounty this week. Um, with titles like I Hate This Place 5 and The Nice House on the Lake 10, which hopefully, you know, because of us, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, 130, Amazing Spider-Man 10, Ant-Man 3, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Armageddon Game, uh, number one, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 100, hope that has a special cover, Um, DC Horror Presents Sergeant Rock versus The Army of the Dead, Batman Fortress number five, DC versus Vampires number nine, DC Mech number three, and finally Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes number six. Woo, I'm winded, Joe. <laughs> Thank you to anyone and everyone. And as Todd mentioned, uh, if you haven't figured out how to hook your comicsology up to our Amazon affiliate link, uh, find out who's doing this and ask them to show you because I ain't got the slightest. Right. Uh, don't ask me. I I know all the other technical stuff, but not that. Right. Todd's the other technical guy. I'm everything else. Right. I'm ready to put up the Rob's podcast right now. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's get into TV talk this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we only got two shows this week. Um, the She-Hulk and the Andor. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, again, once I don't know how this happened two weeks in a row, but I was able to watch She-Hulk uh, from the comfort of my uh, living room on the big TV from my couch. Ooh, so I didn't get a off. chance to take notes while I was watching it, which is okay. Right, the family was off doing stuff. It was a very easy episode. Though, yes, so. and that's what I like the most about She-Hulk, that it's an easy, fun, light TV show that, you know, you just need, like, your bullet points, and it's fun, you know? And, and every time that I go and I, I get my notes and I, I send everything over to you and I have my links and stuff, it really makes me want to get an IMDb Pro account. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, so I can get the agent contact information for a lot of the people that I'd love to have on the show. Right. But two, so I could vote up the IMD rating on this show. I, I definitely feel as though this show is being unjustly voted down. By all those uh, Daredevil fans, you know, who Mark Wade created, the Daredevil, um, <laughs> wanting to have him on the attorney show, which I don't think they're going to get. There's only like two episodes left, and it's going to be brief, Joe. Uh huh. So, the premise of this episode is uh, Jen and Josh, who she met at the wedding last week, uh, are dating, and it's a very will they or won't they uh, situation. And then when they do, uh, Josh doesn't call Jen back in the classic uh, sitcom trope of how long you're supposed to contact someone afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of excuses are made as to why he may or may not be. Uh, then Jen gets a call um, stating that Emil Blonsky, a.k.a. the Abominations inhibitor bracelet has mis- uh, malfunctioned. So while they're going to go out and check to make sure everything's OK, they want to make sure that they bring someone who's equally gamma powered just in case things are not. Uh, things are okay. Uh, they do fix the inhibitor bracelet, of course, since uh, email Blonsky can control whether or not he becomes the abomination or not, inhibitor bracelet or notwithstanding. But uh, there at his little compound, he has some other, I would say, lower end super powered folks there that are he working has- out. <laughs> Was that? Characters. He has characters, Joe. He has characters working out their issues and in them working out their issues, specifically uh, Man Bull and El Aguila. Uh, They do bang up Jen's car. Uh, She has no cell service. It's going to be a couple hours before a tow truck can come out. So she's stuck there and hilarity ensues. Uh, Jen comes to terms with Josh not calling her back. She makes a few friends along the way, and this is Todd's favorite part of the show. Todd, you were right. Huh? Nailed Josh is up it. up to no good. Oh, I saw it coming a mile away. Yeah, listen, I, I, I wanted those star-crossed lovers to, to hit it off, not for him to do some sort of thing where he steals all the information off of her phone, you know? Right, and takes her blood, too, apparently. Apparently. Uh, Right. Well, he did the little, uh, what was it? It was a, uh, a syringe emoji with green glowing stuff in it. Um, but on that one, I kind of, I kind of saw coming, like I said, because of the recap. And then because that I like this in this episode that when she runs into the wrecker during the show, yes, he he's up, at the retreat as well. Right. Which they didn't give away. She's like, did you recap him? No, you didn't recap him now. And they do it, which, at, like like I said last week, that made me surprised. You know what I mean? Because if they had recapped the wrecker, I would have been like, oh, he's in this episode. But um, I thought that was really cool. Another thing that I liked was when uh, G- She-Hulk was 
uh, sad about Josh. She was watching uh, Muppets on Disney Plus, which I found out is a throwback. If you go back to watching the uh, the Edward Norton Hulk back in the day, he was watching Grover on TV, so it runs in their family that they like the Muppets. Um, I thought that was a nice nod. Uh, I'm trying to think what else in here. I, I, I thought this episode was good, um, but I do think of it all, like not because we needed Daredevil or anything like that. This was the one you could have cut like a ton of stuff out and just had it. It's r- really a lot of filler to get to the point that Josh – uh, stole the blood. After a while, I was like, okay, this this comedy is what it is, but I just really don't care uh, about any of these characters. Like, they're goofy characters, I get it, but I don't, you know, need to have a whole episode around them. One and done is good, but my favorite thing maybe was the posters all around the wall, and the one that said, Obama stay was my favorite. Because he does the the yoga, but it's abomination and, and namaste. I was like, that's really good. But otherwise, like of all of them, this was probably uh, my least favorite. And I've been misreading Hulk King all this time. That it was Project Hulk Ling, like uh, the Young Avengers. So I'm completely wrong about with about that. So I don't know if I said in past episodes Hulk Ling, but I noticed for the first time today it's Hulk King, and I think it's. Uh, I think it's going to be the leader before it's all over. Oh, you think so? Yep. Uh, I saw people, I guess he is going to be um, a villain in something coming up soon. They've cast him I in think, something. I think maybe Thunderbolt somehow he's going to be in. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but definitely he's coming up. So that makes me think he's he's the Hulk King. Interesting. But... Uh, but yeah, that's that's the other thing that I was wondering um, is um, who is going to be behind it. I like the leader theory, and again, you were right about Josh, so I'm going to assume that you were uh, correct about this as well. Right? People are going to get mad at me soon. They're going to think I'm reading spoilers somehow. No, and that's the thing. You know, I don't know. I don't know how, where you would even find spoilers for these sort of things. You know, right? Right? Because it's you know the show isn't out yet as we record. Right. Um, so the other show that we watched was uh, Andor, number uh, the fourth episode of Andor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this episode is, we got like two stories going on, right? Right. Um, you know, we got the Rebellion stuff and we got the Empire stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is no knock on the Rebellion stuff, which was fine. But the Rebellion stuff is all full of deception, willing deception, right? Right. Um, like, what's his face? Uh, we'll get So Luthen is the one who came and recruited Andor, and is bringing him into the cause. Mm-hmm. And he makes Andor shave. He gives him a new name for this mission, which is Clem. And it makes me think of uh, Florida radio legend Bubba the Love Sponge, because that's his... Uh, real fake first name. Mm-hmm. Um, so then he, uh, Luthen, answers to someone higher, which is this woman, Val. He, Luthen, tells Clem that they're going on a mission to steal uh, the quarterly payroll from the Imperial Sector. But the mission actually is that they're going, just the seven people are going to infiltrate an imperial armory 
So it's a lot of people just not being told what's going on. And then like Vel's put into a situation where she has to vouch for the rest to the rest of the group for Andor based on her loyalties to Luthen, even though she has no loyalties to um Andor, these people obviously don't trust her, trust him, and that puts her in the weird position. So again, it's a lot of just mistrust, right? Mm-hmm. I like it when the the good guys are on the same page because they're already kind of like downtrodden to begin with. It's again seven of them against the whole imperial armory or whatever. Then we get the bit where Luthen, um, and you know, obviously, if you know the character's name, when Senator Mon Mothma shows up and she's looking for the ancient artifact for her husband for his birthday, and he's like, "Oh, well, let me show you something else that's in the back that's maybe a little bit more your style." And then that's when we get the reveal that she has been helping fund the rebels to go against the Imperials. Uh, they leave. She, Mon Motha, and her husband have a contentious relationship. As she, he's inviting to the birthday party a bunch of people that don't like her and she don't like them. They've purposely been taking down a lot of what she's been trying to push through the Intergalactic Senate. And once you start getting into Intergalactic Senate in a Star Wars movie... <sighs> TV show, you know, trade routes. And that's another thing is like they moved all the people out of the area that Vel and her fighters are fighting for. Uh, like they didn't kill them. They just moved them out because it's a better, easier port when they're trying to get around. And I'm just like, there's too much information. Just just tell me you're the rebels and you're trying to take down the Empire. Right. That's really all I need to know. Right. Um, now, I will say, do you think the, the mission isn't to rob the money? So that's the thing. I think it is, but I don't think, like, Vel and her people know that it is. I think they do. I think they're mm. all on board. But either way, I, I, I that's the way I gathered it. Um, see, I, I'm different. I really like all this stuff. I like the, the lower key stuff. I don't know. Um, my favorite bits of this, like, you hit all the, the, the high marks. I do like the Mon Mothma uh relationship with her husband and you could see how it's going to lead her down to be like one of the great leaders of the thing but i also like that uh you're saying they should all be on the same page but they're all luthan and mothma are creating a spy ring and the first rule of spying i don't know if you've ever heard this phrase is dta joe don't trust anybody so he's laying like some of some of that and then the fact, like, when Lucian goes back and he has to go back to meet Mon Mothma and the ship's landing and he's just, all right, put it on autopilot. And he goes into that room and he has all his accoutrements to, like, put on. He's putting on the rings and he puts on that sweet, sweet wig. And he ends up, like, looking in the mirror and he's, like, extending his fingers and he's becoming the character. And you could see him go from, like, Lucian the spy to Lucian, the guy who's running the artifact thing. And then he's like, yep, that works. And he goes back to being Lucian as stupid. Like, this is all the stuff that I, that I love as much as people are like, Oh, give me lightsabers and blasters. I'm like espionage, man. It's it, it, I, I, I'm loving this. So I actually really like this episode and I'm, and I'm fine with everything going on though. I think the one kid who's, who's talking about feelings is a fake, fake Jedi empath kind of a thing. Cause he's like too, too like oh he's he has good vibes. That's all I really need to know. I'm like fake, fake. You're not. So you know not. we got all the rebel stuff out of the way, and obviously that's your A story, right? Mm-hmm. Your B story is the stuff that's going on with the Imperials. Right. They shut down the 
the the the, the corporate cops, if you will, the hot right. Cops. So they they shut down the corporate cops, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's the one woman who's in the higher ups, and you could tell because she's got the three little things on her uh, gimmick. Right, she doesn't have the Purina symbol yet, but she's got enough of them. Right, she's got she's starting. She's got her Purina symbol starter kit, right? Right, right. And she's the one who notices from the manifest that whatever the hell that thing that um Andor was trying to sell back in like the first three episodes. And mm-hmm. again, trying to go through my notes, I got a lot of notes, right? No, I got you because there's one thing I want to uh, touch uh, on when get a chance. Right, he's got the uh, the NS nine Star Path, whatever, whatever, whatever. Right. She's the one that notices it's it's gone missing. She notices the area that it's gone from, and it lines up with like patterns that she's seeing. That she's like, I think there's the rebels are doing this. I think they're behind this. I think you need to send me down there to go and do this because I have enough information here. I have like, you know, three instances of similar patterns, similar methods, similar something that really makes me think that there's. You know, as someone rebelling against us. Mm-hmm. And she really wants to go and stop them. But her higher ups are like, no, you're not highly ranked enough to go do this. And we have to do things by the book. Your, you know, your equal officer had his reports in and you don't even have your reports in. You're too right. busy with this nonsense. That's the stuff that I like. Right. And I like that too but i even i have a slightly different view on all that in that she's like yes squashing the rebels is part of her deal but it's all aspirations she's not doing it because she wants to squash the rebels the guy even says to her he's like watch you climbing the ladder man like get get up the top of one ladder before you try the second ladder she's just like oh this is my moment to pull a power move and she's doing it and the guy's even like he's like yeah you're you're now whether the character is able to do it you're you're pull, you're you're going above your pay grade and i do like that kind of intrigue and i'm with you all on that um but that's the way i take it is that she's not so much about squashing the rebels is it's to gain power which always seems the the empire's way but my favorite thing about the episode is when they squash the corporate cops and they go in, the Empire guy's there, and he's like, listen, because you guys messed up. And the one guy, the old guy, who was like, listen, this wasn't even me. Like, this wasn't on my watch. I went to to give my report, and they screwed up. Doesn't matter. We're shutting you down. Yeah, you and, were in charge. You should have right, stopped them. Right. And this guy over here, you know, he was all high and mighty leading the thing. And then the sergeant raises his hand. I was like, oh, my God. And the Empire guy just goes, really? Like, Really? And he puts it back down. I'm like, I love the sergeant. If he's gone, I'm truly upset because he's the total inept Kool-Aid drinker that I love. But then the guy, uh, was named Karen, Karen or whatever. He ends up going home to mommy and she slaps him. I'm like, oh my God, this is like, what's going on here? I want to see like, are these guys going to be the ones who put on the protective like homemade armor and get their guns and go out like a militia to try and stop the rebels? I have a feeling that's the road we're going down with this group. I'm and so that's the thing. I really like the villain stuff in this so far more than uh, the rebel stuff. And I don't know what that says about me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it speaks volumes, but 
Uh, like I said, I really think the Empire folks, just from what we've seen of them, are just a little bit more compelling. Oh, I'm with you. I, just, I'm, I think they are, except for Lucian and Mon Mothma. Those are the two, or Rel, or whatever, isn't it? Because I'm getting confused with all the the shoot names and the you know whatever. But uh, those two on the and the Empire side and Andor to a lesser on the uh, Rebel side to a lesser extent, and the the fake cops over on the Empire are the ones that I like. So, but we'll see. I think it's you know we only have uh, twelve episodes to to watch. So, <laughs> and I was told I guess every couple episodes is going to be one year of the five-year run-up to uh, Rogue One. So oh, we'll, okay. Yeah, yeah, I think you mentioned that last week. Right. I don't remember if I did or not. So we'll probably get mo- maybe uh, what year one and year two in these 12 issues, maybe half a year three. I don't know, something like that. I don't know when we're going to see the big sassy robot, though. I'm thinking that's going to be season two. <laughs> Always could use more sassy robots. Yep. Uh, but I'm enjoying this. It's good. It's fun. Um, it's just, you know, as I mentioned, I uh, I fall with the uh, the Empire more than I do the Rebels in this one. Right. I know. Lockstep with Joe Sposto. Yep. But we have a lot next week to talk about on yep. TV. Uh, got, we got Andor. We got She-Hulk. We got Stargirl back. And we got Werewolf by Night. Mm-hmm. Never thought I'm, we'd say that. I'm shocked and pleased that we're watching. Mm-hmm. When I saw, did you watch? I know you're one of those guys. Well, we're going to watch it for the show. Did you watch the trailer at all? Nope. I oh, the trailer gives a vibe of something that I've never seen from any of these uh, Marvel things that we watch. Any of the TV shows or the movies. I think the the closest is maybe Moon Knight to the creepiness, but this is a straight not like straight homage to like old horror movies. And monster movies. I think I saw that it was in black and white, maybe, and that was about it. Right. The The trailer was in black and white, but it's making me wonder, because I'm not above Disney Plus doing it, because they did it with the first two episodes of WandaVision. But I'm wondering if it's all going to be in black and white, or that was just like, you know, to get people talking. But if it's in black and white, I'm fine with it. Yeah. And do we know... What day, or... No, I'm look. I know it's um, as we record, it comes out this Friday, right? I believe so. Uh, I'm looking here to see, and again, I don't want too much spoiled, of course. Um, but I was wondering if we have like a length on it, like how long it is. I believe because I did go look up. Oh, now, okay, th- go ahead. Uh, don't don't hold me to this. Somewhere between fifty minutes and an hour. Yeah, so it looks like it's. I I was wondering if it was like a full length like movie, like ninety minutes at least, you know. Right, right. But Which it looks I, like it's just like the general length of a television show. Right, that's what I saw because when I saw it, but I didn't want to go poking around too much because when you go look at those things, it's like, oh, here are the characters that are in it. You know what I mean? Right, and, right. And, and I want to go in like you the same way, where I don't want to know. Um. So, but. 56, 54, something like that. Right, and it's not a series. It's a one and done. Okay, I can handle this. And I saw them saying they want to do more of the one and dones. Like, we have these characters that can't really carry the water for a full, like, you know, six episodes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then you could have them 
do these like one hour movies. And then it's like, okay, let's just say some, uh, I'm trying to, th- Dr. Druid. I don't know if he's in it, but say Dr. Druid's in uh, Werewolf by Night. Then when you have a sorceress, you have Dr. Strange movie or whatever, Dr. Druid could walk through it. You know what I mean? And like they could discuss magic or whatever. So you could have these bit players that will show up in other things and fill out. Like now you don't have to waste your big, your big contracts on like, like uh, uh, Cumberbatch and like all those other characters. Like, Oh, we'll get smaller actors, do these small parts. You're not going to have your own movie, but we're going to constantly work. You know what I mean? So I think that will help like give that Marvel universe feel, if that makes any sense for sure. So, but I think that's everything. Definitely. Uh, I would say this was a full show. Uh, yep. Let me look at the time as we wrap things up here. Oh, you know, it was right about exactly what it needed to be. There. Well, isn't that what every show we do is just what it needs to be? Exactly. No more, no less. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, everyone, thank you very much uh, for listening here to episode 626 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.